Israel. He's doing great. They're at home, and that's where Noah's at this morning, being the daddy to a newborn, and how exciting that is. If you want to see the baby, look them up on their page on first uh, on Facebook, and then you can see their child. Praise the Lord. Praise God. How many here are glad that you're a child of God? Amen. Yeah, that's all right. Give yourself an applause. Because when you have Jesus Christ, you're more than average. You're a child of God. You're joined heirs with Jesus Christ. And he leads our life and he blesses our life. Praise the Lord for what God's doing, how he's moving in a mighty way. We had a great time Friday night with the guys at Guy Stuff Game Night. Praise the Lord. We only broke two hockey sticks. We did really well. And, and I'll tell you what, Josh Sanborn did an outstanding job with the illustrative sermon and message to all of us. The boys loved it, the young boys and the men. And God bless you, Josh, for that great word that you shared uh, Friday evening and uh, the hamburgers and food and food. Uh, somebody even did the... Uh, somebody in the church, I won't say their name, they actually did a stack of Little Debbie cakes. You ever, it was still, they were all wrapped up, but they did this nice little tall stack of Little Debbie cakes. It was pretty, I mean, really. Uh, I, I don't know why the oatmeal cakes were left, but all the other ones were gone, so I don't know what that meant. Maybe they're not so popular. How many here like the little oatmeal sandwiches? Raise your hand. I do. I think they're good. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is. Nobody wants healthy stuff at a party. Nobody wants that. I mean, and, and if you don't believe me, just, just serve some celery and carrot sticks without any dip and see how many people eat it. And that's kind of funny because at, this, uh, at the line there, uh, there was food left over, plenty of food, but it was amazing how for the hamburgers, you know, tomatoes were wiped out, all the sliced tomatoes, all the onions wiped out, the cheese just had a few slices, we had plenty of cheese. But then there's this great big stack of lettuce left over, you know? So the lettuce lost, and the lettuce was still stacked there. And so, but, uh, so what I do, I took it home. I have salad now, but it was just a, a lot of lettuce. So it's so good. Great time we had together. Had 40, 40 guys show up, and we appreciate that for a great uh, come together and fun time. We'll do it again sometimes. That sound good, guys? I think it'd be great we, we, we do that again and bring our sons with us so there's great relationship. And February was mentioned about the goals of reconnect of family and couples and such. We're going to focus in February, actually. Uh, and so we're looking forward to that, talking about relationships and find your why in relationships in relationships that God has for us and in our life. Praise the Lord. Find your why. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us and help me, Father, to be able to, with clarity, share this message to your people. Help us, God, to receive the personal message out of it, that each of us finds something in this, in your word today. We thank you and we praise you for the worship and your presence here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
our key verse of find your why, of course, is Acts 17, 28. For in him we live, move, and have our being in God, in him. I pray that you've been, I hope you enjoyed getting your sticker last week, and I hope I've seen different ones stick their sticker different places and such uh, on cups and glasses and folders, and so I'm glad you got your sticker last week. I don't know if we have any more left over. We still have some. If you weren't here last Sunday, uh, when you leave today, stop at Info Desk. There's a sticker for you to find your why, and I want you to put it somewhere. It's going to remind you to find your why? When the Lord gave me that vision, I realized the complexity of life and all the multifaceted areas of our life. And we would truly be busy by trying to find the why in everything we do. But I will tell you, it's not impossible. And I will tell you that if we'll begin to focus on finding your why and finding our why then in our life, then we'll begin to do things more decisively, things more effectively, raising our family, our children more effectively and powerful in the, in the Lord and in the Spirit. If we find our why and in our, at the workplace, why we have that job and find our why, then maybe we'll show up Monday, tomorrow morning with a smile on our face, a little bit more energy and excitement instead of complaining of what's our environment. When we find our why, actually, it will, it will have an effect on the circumstances and your environment what you're engaged in, such as, once again, the workplace. Your environment will change because you and I will begin to change when we find your why. Now, it's a, it's a longing in our heart. It's a longing in our heart that God has placed it there within us that we define the why. The why means the purpose and the direction in our life. The why is more important than the what and the how. The why is the motivation and the heart, the soul, of what you're involved with. The what and how will improve once you and I discover the why of what we're doing and what, what we're engaged in and we answer the question why. Then what happens are we will have direction in what we're doing and how we're doing it because creativity will begin to flow. We're hitting, hitting the target. We're hitting the center of why. Then everything else will fall into place and everything else will become greater in our life. If you're in ministry, your ministry will begin to flourish and grow because you have found the why. Why? That you're doing what you're doing and the why and the purpose of everything in your ministry. That we can keep our eye on the why. We know, though, that the center and, the, and, and Jesus is intertwined in every why of our life. Because if he's Lord of our life, then Jesus has to always be the center of everything in our life and what goes on. So we know that he's there and present to help us to find our why. And he's there as long as we have our eyes upon him looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of our faith. In other words, the author is founder, the founder and finisher of our faith, looking unto Jesus. Because really, if you think about it, it's God in the beginning and God at the end. And if he is at the beginning and he's at the end, then he wants to be certainly involved with everything that's in the middle. I went to a funeral yesterday or viewing yesterday. And 
I thought as I looked at that dear saint of God, she's gone on to be with the Lord. And I looked at her and said, well, at the ending, there was God. But then God reminded me at the beginning, there was God for her. That she was formed in inner parts, inner parts of her mother. That God knew who she was and God created a purpose at the beginning. And that therefore, God was there at the beginning and he was there at the end. Don't you think that that makes good sense to put Jesus and put God in the center of the why of everything we do, that he's the center. He's the center. Whenever Jesus wasn't in the boat with the disciples, they always failed. They'd go fishing, and I tell you what, I don't know how their business did very well, but every time they went out in the boat, they always didn't catch anything. And then they were out in the boat, and Jesus sent them out, and Jesus wasn't in the boat, and they hit a storm, and they didn't know what they were going to do until Jesus caught up with them. They're walking on the water. The fact is, is that Jesus, he needs to be in the boat. He has to be in the boat. You won't get anywhere without him. You won't succeed without him. And anything you do succeed in life that doesn't include him is all hay, wood, and stubble, and it will burn away. But those things that centered around Christ are eternal those things that we rely on him and interject him in our lives, it will have a longer, fuller meaning than if we try and leave him out. Oh, we've got example after example in the word of God where individuals decide to leave God out and then they ended up in a crisis situation because God was not involved. Let me tell you to all students in the house, all hopeful wannabe marriage candidates, let me tell you, I'm going to give you a word, a wide, wise word of wisdom. Don't you dare look for a spouse outside of Jesus Christ being the center. Don't you dare do it because what's going to happen, they're going to have something else on their mind, and you ain't going to be enough, and what's going to happen is that, that it's going to be unfulfilling and there's going to be problems. Then when the problems come, you can't pray, God, oh, God, please fix this. Help me, God, help me in this, when there's disobedience in the mix of it. But if Jesus is in the center, husband and wife, listen, how many spouses are in the house? You know there are times, you know, you're up here and he's down there, and you're trying to talk to each other. You ever have those days before? It's like, man, all this assumption is in between in between down here and up here, and before you know it, you got a good argument going on, and the only reason why is because neither one of you, you're saying the same thing, but you're not on the same you know, level. And so it causes problems. But you have crisis. If you live in this life, you're going to have crisis. You're going to have heartache. You're going to have battles. You're going to have valleys. There's going to be seasons that are not going to be enjoyable. There'll be joyful times. Thank God for that because of the mercy of the Lord. But then there's going to be tough times. But when there's tough times and you have each other and you feel like it's not enough, it isn't enough. It takes Jesus Christ. It takes the Lord Jesus Christ to be the center of the marriage for the marriage to work because he'll help you. He'll lead and guide you into all truth. He'll help you try and get a handle of those, uh, of those wild child, that, that wild child in the house. He'll help you to be able to work out your financial struggles and, and achieve what God wants you to have. Let me tell you, you need Jesus. We need Jesus in everything, and God help us. We need him in our marriages. 
in our homes. Now, that, I wasn't going there, but I went there. So there. Uh, find your why. Find your why, I think, is someone in the Bible that really needed some help. And because there was God, it really worked things out to his favor. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 10 to 12, a very popular, well-known patriarch by the name of Jacob. Grandson of Abraham. In Genesis 28, verse 10, I was going to go to 17, but I'm just, I got to start at the beginning. At, if I don't, then what will happen is I'll have to go there anyway, and I'd much rather let Scripture take us there. Now, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones at that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. I've never been able to figure that out. Never have, and the older I get, I mean, my goodness, the bed sometimes feels like rocks. I cannot imagine an actual rock for a pillow on the head. My goodness, I guess I'm not a true outdoorsman, but it's just, you know, hey, you know how I go camping? I go to Holiday Inn. Yeah, yeah. I love that running water, you know, and I love that, that, that porcelain thing that sits in that little room. I really appreciate that thing. You appreciate things when you don't have them. So, you know, that's, I'm just not a real roughest sort of guy. So please forgive me, guys, if I bursted your bubble about me. But here it is. He lays down in that place to sleep, and he dreamed. And behold, you know, whenever you see in the Bible it says, and behold, you need to open your eyes and look here because there's something astonishing that's going to be happening. And he said, and behold, a ladder was set up from the earth and its top reached to heaven. I think it's interesting that the beginning of it was mentioned on earth then up to heaven. Not necessarily from heaven to earth. Though there is some movement taking place with the angels. I think it's there to remind man that man can reach God. We can reach God. We can reach heaven. We can reach it there, that God wants it to happen, wants us to reach up to heaven. And its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Kind of like a heavenly escalator, you know, up and down, going up and down, up and down, up and down, constant movement. Constant, that's the way I think it's visioned prophetically in the world today with God's people. There's activity going on. There's there's. Messages going up and messages coming down. God, you know, we going up, reaching up to him and worship, and the results of that worship is coming down. Heaven, heaven invading earth and earth connecting with heaven. It's what a, a glorious picture. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I'll give, it, give to you and your descendants. 
Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth and shall spread abroad to the west and the east and to the north and the south. And to you and your seed, all the families of earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. The gate of heaven. You know, I like he said gates because gates open and gates can close. Gates open and close. Open and close. Uh, the passageway to heaven, it's open. Then Jacob, he said, surely the Lord's in this place. I didn't know it. Then Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone which he had put at his head, set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of the city that had been, or that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of that, of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. I throw this in, interject this for those who say that tithing is under the law. It's not under the law. Here you had Abraham at tithe. Now you got grandson tithing and this was before the 10 commandments before Moses' time. So I just want you to know that through, that, through that in there, for you to maybe think about it, ponder about it in Scripture. Now, here's Jacob. He left because he left his father's home. His mother sent him away, and dad, his mother, Rebecca, really loved him a lot, loved him more than his twin brother, Esau. And, but dad liked Esau because he was an outdoor guy and a hunter, and Jacob wasn't that kind of guy that loved hunting. He did other things. He was very smart. But the blessing of God was upon Jacob. And with some type of surplanting and conniving and such, he ended up, uh, he ended up uh, tempting his brother who was real hungry at the campsite. He was real hungry, and Jacob was making a soup and so of lentils. And there his brother wanted to eat so bad that Jacob said, if you'll give me the birthright, then your birthright, then I'll, you can have some soup. I think even today Esau is relenting over selling out the birthright for a bowl of soup. But he does it, he has the birthright, then eventually he connives with his mom, and, and while he, uh, Isaac, his dad, is losing his eyesight and getting weak and time to, to pass a blessing and to bless his sons, Esau was the firstborn, Jacob came out, and when Jacob came out, he was holding the heel of his brother when they were born and so now it was time that dad had to bless them was going to bless them and dad couldn't hardly see so they dressed uh, Rebecca dressed her son Jacob up like Esau and went in there to his father put some fur on his arms because Esau was a hairy guy and his father reached out his arm and then then Isaac blessed him with the blessing 
And you know the story, Esau comes back, he's late because he went out hunting to get some venison for his dad because his dad really wants some venison, wants some deer meat. And he comes in with it cooked. When he comes in, he's, he's too late. Jacob's already been there and received blessing. So Isaac goes on and blesses him, but it's a sub-blessing compared to what the blessing would be upon Jacob. And so fear of his life, his mom sent, and dad sent him away to Uncle Laban's house and on his way to Uncle Laban's house running because, listen, evidently he didn't have anything much on him at the time, just a survival in the wilderness. But that was it. He left everything back at the parents' house. He didn't have anything except what his earthly dad had. And so here was going to his uncle's house, and there, that's where our scripture is. He stops, it's starting to get dark, he spends the night, he has this encounter with God that heaven is opened up and God's above and, and a ladder or a stairway or a ladder from earth going up into heaven, the angels ascending and descending, coming up and down and God tells him the blessing that's upon Abraham is going to be upon his life. For him not to be afraid, for God says, I will not leave you. I couldn't get off of that. That, that thing of all the things that Jacob would receive, the most prized possession was God says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with you. I'm not gonna give you up. I'm going to be with you. That's the greatest prized possessions that you and I have. Uh, I know some of us drive a, a Chevy, some drive a Ford, some drive a Jeep, and, and some drive a Hyundai, some drive a, you know, you know, or, or should I say car that is, it is a car. It's a car. It's called a Prius. It is a car. I just want to say just real quiet. I've never sat in one, never drove one. I can imagine how it feels when you stomp on the, on the pedal and it goes. <sighs> wow, it makes, it just builds me up. It makes me feel like I'm in a powerful machine. I'm joking about cars. If you have a Prius, then, then you can talk to me later, and I apologize, but I'll apologize in advance. But I like, I, I grew up a generation muscle cars, okay? You know, the smell of regular gas, it's just, the fumes, it's just incredible. And, and, and I feel so sorry for you if you've never had that, that aroma, that smell of, of leaded gas being burnt. There's nothing like it in the world. Nothing like it in the world. And, and if I ever smell it, it's like it takes me back, you know, back to the, 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 the muscle cars, you know, where you sound like, you know, you, I mean, you talk about noise and roar and never, that's a muscle car. You know, and put those uh, special mufflers. Now they put mufflers on cars and they just, you know, sometimes they're scary where they sound, but it just ain't the same, you know, like a, Chevy, you know, muscle car. But the thing is, is here, it's good to have our things and stuff. Some of us have, have used things. Some of us have new things. Some of us have, uh, some of us live in different environments, different homes. Some of us are kind of struggling. Everyone's at a certain level, economic uh, status and different status here. And then, you know, unless you're in Washington, you live in the Pearly Palace, you know. That's another story by itself, but... But the, uh, the poverty, you know, up and down, we settle, we know, we don't care, we're fine. The Bible says godly contentment is much gain. It's much gain. When you're content with such things as you have, thank God for them. The moment you stop being content is the moment you stop being grateful and you forget the why 
or, and, and, and that he went and he, you, you have those things. Why? Because of God's love and his mercy, his goodness, and what he's done for us. But all this stuff that we can have and acquire, and all the stuff around us, and, you know, all the, all the possessions we can possess, but the greatest possession is the fact that God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you even to the end of the age, Jesus promised that. To have God's presence is the greatest prized possession of all. To have the fellowship with God, to have the, have the inheritance promised by God to me, and for his guarantee, as he told Jacob, I'm not going to leave you. The, the times that you're going to hit trouble and you're running a crisis, I'm going to be there with you. While Jacob lived with his uncle Laban, God blessed him. Jacob lived with his uncle approximately about 20 years. And at that time, he was being so blessed, God blessed him in a very great way that in a mysterious way, I won't go through it, but he prospered him so greatly that out of the ordinary, see, that's how God blesses his people. He uses the unordinary so he might receive the glory. He won't use the ordinary colored of animals, but he'll start making spotted and speckled. They'll start mixing up the colors, and that'll be your herd. But it will be miraculous how God made it happen. Maybe you need to shift the things that you have and shift them into a recognizable place as the miraculous. If it were not but God, where would I be if it were not but God? You know, you got a new vehicle out there. Just say, this is miraculous. Look at what God has done. I don't deserve this thing. God has given it to me. You go inside your kitchen, open up your cupboards, and it's full of groceries, and, and your freezer outside's packed, and your, your refrigerator's packed, and you've got six dozen of eggs. Right. You say, it's miraculous what God has done. Shift it to the miraculous. Get it off of you and put it on him. And give him the glory that is due his name. So Jacob lived with his uncle approximately 20 years, afraid of Laban. So Jelso takes off and heads toward home. As he's heading homeland, toward home, then Jacob and his family settles in a place called Shechem for 20 more years. He was supposed to be going home. God wanted him to go back. He was supposed to go back to the place, his homeland, but he settled in another place for 20 years. He set up an altar, but it wasn't exactly in the right place. But God blessed him just the same. And then there came, uh, after 20 years, he had to confront Esau. After God had told him, I want you to go home. It's time to go home. Let me tell you this. In this, in this scripture, Let's go to Genesis 35, 1 through 7. Then God said to Jacob, Arise and go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. Isn't it God just, God does this in Moriah? Do you know what God does? He reminds you. It's good to remember when you had your first encounter with God. It's good to remember when you first went to an altar 
and you encountered the presence of God. And so God said, I want you to go back to Bethel where you were in crisis and I was there. We need to remind ourselves that God has helped us so much and if he did it once, he'll do it again. We need to remind ourselves of that, of that encounter with him, that he came on the scene and he helped us. He says here that Jacob said to all his household, to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourself and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel. Really, Bethel was a higher elevation than what, what, where they were living, like five, I think it was about 5,000, not 5,000, about 2,000 feet higher elevation where they were. So literally, they had to go up to Bethel. You know, isn't it funny how everybody wants to go up as long as the up has been provided for them? You know what I mean? What I'm saying, everybody wants to go to Florida in an hour, and they'll do it because they go up. They go to Florida because they can get up in a plane and fly for one hour and be in Florida. How many of you have ever done that? Maybe some, some far places, but an hour's time, it's incredible because I've driven it. I don't like driving to Florida unless I have several stops along the way. If I got to drive straight to Florida, I don't want to do that. I'd rather fly and go up because I don't want the labor trying to get to where I'm going to. But here God's saying, I want you to go up to Bethel because you're going to have to climb up to that place where I'm at. It's a higher elevation. God wants you to go to a higher elevation in him. And you, you and I need to decide and say, okay, I'll go there, God, even if I've got to climb it. Even though I've got to walk it and i got to do that journey, if i got to hoof it, I'm going to go, God, and I'm going to be there at the place that you want me to be. I want to be to the higher place. I want to go to the house of God. And so, therefore, he said, put away all this stuff. Prepare yourself because we're going to go to Bethel. Let us rise, arise, and go to Bethel, and, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. What a wonderful testimony to his family. I'm going back to the place where God helped me in my distress. Yeah? Dad's still got to rely on God. I got to rely on him. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and their rings which were in their ears and Jacob hid them under the uh, terabith tree which was by Shechem and they journeyed and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them. And they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel. This is why I like about this kind of scripture. Historically, Known to be Luz. But God, but Jacob said, no, no, it's Bethel. I'm going to give it another name. I'm going to call it something else besides the ordinary Luz, which means the land of almonds. In other words, the land of nuts. <laughs> but he called it Bethel. And let me say this, almonds was a delicacy, so the nuts, that was, that's why they called it, you know, that and, and called that. It's kind of like when I've driven around here, some of the names of some of these roads are really interesting where they got those names. I'm really curious how they got the name of those certain roads. Somebody must have had a furnace and somebody must have, 
Somebody, you know, somebody must have walked down the road and got mud on their sock and mud sock. Mule Town probably had mules. You know, it's kind of like that, you know. We know Point Pleasant has the point. Gal Police, it's French. That's, it's French, you know. Gal Police, Rhymes would call the police. Gal Police. <laughs> but you know what I mean. But here, Jacob says, you know what? This, it keeps on repeating its land of Luz, Luz, Luz. I think it might be helping uh, people in the future to recognize, identify where it was. But Jacob called the place Bethel. He built an altar there. It's Bethel. Yeah, some of you build an altar in the old home place at another address you're not living in anymore. You don't have to go back to that old home place. But that altar made that place Bethel instead of just the address of that location. This place, this house that you found and you prayed in this house, this, this should be Bethel to you that you found a place where God had touched you in a place in the room somewhere where you, it's not because it's Rodney Pike Church of God. It's not because it's got Church of God outside the doors or that it's constructed as a church, but there is an altar that was placed in a place that you designated and made it a monument and said, this is Bethel. This is the house of God. This is where I encountered the Lord. This is where God's moving in my life. And some of us have got to go back to that place of that encounter because, listen, Jacob's family was falling apart. They were falling apart. His daughter got raped. His sons went in and murdered the men in the town. And here, here they have idols in their tents and they're worshiping false gods. Uh, havoc began to happen. Chaos began to happen. Why? Because he should have went to Bethel sooner than what he did. He settled in where he was at and let where he was at uh, begin to control the environment that his family lived in. Don't let this environment around us, we're getting squeezed in with more and more people who are bound by drugs. We're being squeezed in by not even just secular humanism in our educational system, but a very denial of God and a mockery of his creation has evolved through the education and academia. Let me tell you, don't let the circumstances begin to pressure you into something. You build an altar. It may be called Luz, but you know it's Bethel and that's where God is at, is at that altar. You know, the house of God, the presence of God, we recognize the continual existence or presence of God. God is everywhere, isn't he? He's out there. He's everywhere. His presence, the presence of God is everywhere. But then there is the presence of God that is by invitation. And that's altogether different. That invitation turns into an invasion. You invite God, guess who's going to show up? And all he wants is the invitation. And he'll show up. He'll show up in the midst of your mess. 
He'll begin to straighten things out and straighten you out. I'm going to say this is hard, okay? Please love me. How many of you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I love you. I love you. I love you. I'll be gentle. I'll be gentle. But sometimes our children are not the way they are solely because of outside environmental circumstances. They are your offspring. They are your children. And they learned more in the home where they learned anywhere else. Ooh, that hurts, doesn't it? It's hard. Okay. But there can be an altar to be set up and say, God... I want to dwell in your house. I want to be with you. I want you to take over. And Lord, I'll make that altar into a monument. And I'll glorify you, my home. My children will follow the way. Some of your kids may have different addresses than what you have right now. But you still have your influence. You haven't lost that influence. Start living the life in front of them. Start speaking the language in front of them. Start acting and walking in faith in front of them. And you know what they'll do? They'll start handing over their idols. And they'll start handing over and say, I want the God that you serve. I want to follow after you because I know God will bless me just like he's blessed you. I want to have what you have. I want to experience what you experience. And that's what will happen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And I will tell you this. It's not too late. It's not too late. 20 years, 40 years have passed. And where is Jacob? Why, he's going to Bethel. And his family's going with him. They're going to the place. They came to the spot. And the Bible says that, in effect, you see, when we find our why, it not only affects us, but affects those around us. It, affects, it affected his children. It affected even those in the cities around them who feared them because of God's hand was upon them. There's an effect God makes in the lives of God's people. You are able to change atmosphere. You are able to walk in the workplace tomorrow with Jesus Christ in your mind, your heart, and the love of the Lord, and you everywhere you step, you're just like promised land. And the presence of God will be with you. And they'll be, they'll be glad to see you coming. Oh, that's a good question here. I'm going to pose it because this is a, I might as well, I'm in deep already. <laughs> is your employer glad to see you show up? If he's not, then you need to apologize. Oh, come on now. We got Jesus. We got Christianity. Or what do we have? Yeah, uh-huh. We always think it's the legalistic people who talk about the clothes you wear and all this other stuff. But let me, we can get, we can create our own type of legalism, a fake, uh, uh, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Your employer is offended by you. You need to apologize and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry we had this argument. I'm sorry that we had this run in. I apologize. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. The world needs radical Christians. The world needs born-again Christians. The world needs people who are going to show Jesus, and Jesus is going to show up. And when you show up, they start thinking, well, here comes Jesus. I actually knocked on the door years ago in the house of the family I was witnessing to, and the parents came to church and brought the kids. I knocked on outside the door. Well, I knocked on the screen door 
a little boy comes running to the door and he hollers out loud. His parents are in there. He said, Jesus is here. I, I was humbled. Oh, wow, you know. The Jesus is here. You are the hands and the feet. You're Jesus with flesh on right now in the world. Can I, can I get an amen out of that? You want victory, then you need to hand over the idols. You want God to move, then you had to hand over the idols, and then you had to go back and got to rebuild that altar. And God will move in a mighty way. And he did. When he rebuilt that altar, when he showed up at Bethel, he had an encounter and experience with God. And those around him knew that there was no one was going to touch them, for God protected them. God kept his hand on them. God appeared unto him once again. And he declared the place and called it El Bethel. It changed from the place to the person. The person of the place. The God of the house. And he realized, realized. See, there was progression with Jacob. When a Jacob wrestled with the angel, remember that in Scripture? And the angel said, you know, what's your name? And he told him his name and surplanter. Jacob meant surplanter. He said, well, your name is now, it's not going to be Jacob, but Israel. It was declared unto him. But then in this encounter with El Bethel, he had God declare his name and destiny and called him Israel. Because somewhere back when he wrestled with the angel, Jacob still had some developing to do till finally God called him. Israel. You'll find that in later on in the verse there, later on chapter. In chapter 32, the angel called him. God, the angel called him by his name was going to be. God never called him by that name, but then, but we find that later on there in Genesis 35, when he gets back to the place and goes to Bethel, then God calls him, and your name is Israel. God wants to declare his blessings upon you and I. He wants us to find the why that it's him and in him, and he'll give us the details. He wants us to build that altar. He wants us to decide that nothing else matters more than God. He wants us to hand over the idols that are struck and get in the way. He wants us to, to experience his presence he wants the invitation to happen so suddenly there'll be an invasion of God. It's throughout Scripture you find that. Paul and Silas in prison. Bless God, they started praising God at the midnight hour, and guess who showed up? There was an invasion in that prison house, and God moved on the scene in a mighty way. It was invasion to the presence in your presence. His presence, he showed up, and these things began to happen and occur among them, in your presence. I thought about that. It, a song came to my head. We don't have to sing it. But the, the words are a song by Paul Wilbur. It says, in your presence, that's where I am strong. In your presence, oh, Lord, my God. In your presence, that's where I belong. Seeking your face, touching your grace, in the cleft of the rock. In your presence, oh God. I don't know why you came to church today. I hope, number one, you came to worship the Lord. 
and God desires your worship. And maybe you've come here today and you said, you know, Pastor Ron, I really got, I'm not right with God. I've got some, there's some problems, some issues. But I believe God is the answer. And I'm coming back to Bethel. And I'm going to turn to him for the answer. For I know he's the answer. The Lord's brought you here. He set you up to hear these things. And I'm humbled that God would bring you here. And I pray to God with all my heart that you have heard what you needed to hear in your life. Because listen, we're not in show business up here. This is a platform and not a stage. A stage is for entertainment. A platform is to deliver a message. A platform is what you stand on and deliver a message. And the Lord wants you to hear something today. I don't know where you are, what your personal life is, but God knows And he wants you to hear these things. And all I can say to you is you need to listen to him. You need to listen to him because he loves you. You'll not find a greater greater person that loves you than God loves you. Remember, he's on your side. He's on your side. He's for us, not against us. I just wonder now if the worship team would come. Would everybody... If you would, just stand. Anything you want. No, anything. Now, Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you will touch and speak to each and every one of us in this sanctuary for this appointed time and this moment. Some of us are needing God to rebuild an altar. Some of us are needing to go back to the why, to the place, to discovery and rediscovery with you. Some of us, Lord, need to get rid of idols, things that are in the way of our spiritual life. Some of us need so much from you, God, that only you can supply it and you can work it out. In the name of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, let's move through the sanctuary, your people, people who are who are meditating and praying to you right now, God, for you to do a great and wondrous thing in their life, oh God. In the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus' name. You'll play a little bit of music. We'll sing in just a moment. But if you would, by signaling for yourself... God, I need you. I need you to do something in my life. I need you. I need you in my life. I come back to you, God. I want to serve you with all my heart. I want to rededicate my life to you, Lord. I want to serve you. I need you, Lord. If you're in the house this morning while the saints are praying, everybody's praying, I want you, if you are in that situation, I want you to raise your hand and say, I need God. I need God. Just lift it up and and let it down. Just raise it up and let it down. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Anyone in the house? Anyone in the house? Now, is there anybody in the house that say, Pastor, I want to move up. I want to go up to Bethel. I want to move up closer to him closer than I've never been before. I need him. I need him. I need him. 
Maybe some of you will raise your hand because maybe there's situations in your house. God can move. God can move. But I want you to just raise your hand and let it down. You say, I want to move up. I want to move up. I want to move up. God bless you. God bless you. All through the house. All through the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many in the house say, Pastor, I'm going to really reestablish that altar in my home for the Holy Spirit to give me guidance and help me, guide me and show me. I really need that. I want you to just lift your hands up and you let it down. God bless you. God bless you. This is what I want you to do. We're going to open up this frontier for anyone, everyone that's raised your hands. If you didn't raise your hands and you know you want to move closer to God, doesn't mean you're lost. You just realize that you just want to move in closer. Just want to get closer to Him. I need Him in my life so much, so much, so much. I want everyone that would just leave your seat and just come on up here. Raise your hands, or if you're in that situation, you want to pray. I want you to just come up here and just stand. We're just going to go to God and worship. We're going to go to God and worship. Believe in Him. Jesus' name. Just come on up. You raise your hand. You just want to move up closer to God. Just come on up. Just come on up. Talking to Christians, talking, talking to saints. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. There's plenty more room here. If you'd like to come up, just come on. You come on up, you and your family, just you, just come on up. If you're a dad or mom, you, you just come on up. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Lord. Can I tell you, if you watch the news at all, you discover it seems to be a pretty scary place right now of uncertainty, of just everything. It just seems like the world at times has lost its mind, you know, like it's gone crazy. But the Lord wants you to come to a place and know that in his house, in, his, in the relationship you have with him, around his altar, you've got his presence. You've got the angels ascending and descending. You've got the glory of God. You've got the Lord reaffirming to you saying, I've come to bless you. I've come to lift you up. I'll tell you what, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. How many here have ever prayed and you've been guilty when you prayed and you had to pray and seek God for forgiveness? on just raise your hand oh yeah yeah that's right that's right but then I, I pray that prayer of forgiveness or failure or what 
And then it's like, God said, yeah, but I got so much more than this. We're not finished here, you know? And his Holy Spirit begins to minister and empower me, give me strength and assure me. That's what happens when there's the altar. You have the house of God that's shown up and the Lord's presence with us. It's just like, it's like, oh yeah, there was a little bit of time where I asked for forgiveness, but then all of a sudden here comes this deluge of God's goodness and greatness and help and strength. That's what he does, you know. And he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never leave you. I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you just now, everybody in the house that would, every Christian in the house, everyone that wants to, just lift your hands toward heaven. And those of you up front say, Lord, now let's just praise him for his presence. Praise him for his presence. Thank you, Lord. You want to draw near to us. You want to come nigh to us, Lord. Even when we've been we've been wandering about, God, you just keep on coming close to us and close to us. We ask you, Lord, that your presence just fill our lives. Holy Spirit, begin to move and fill us with power and strength, oh God. For, Lord, we love you. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. Lord, the circumstances, we give them to you, God. All of our fears, Lord, we give them to you, God. We believe, Lord, that you're able to take them. You're able to move within them, God. You've set us free in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, those of you up front, I want you with your hands raised. I want you to just glorify God and thank him for doing what is needed within you. Lord, right now, I believe, Lord, you're working right now upon my need. You're working right now upon my circumstance circumstances you're working right now in the midst of my battle you're working right now God in the midst of my crisis for you're a great God you're a glorious God you're a faithful God oh Lord I invite your presence Lord so you might invade my life Lord, that you might invade my circumstances my situation that you will fight the battles for me Lord I put my trust and my faith in you oh God in the name of Jesus Christ in Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Now just praise him for hearing you. Praise him for receiving you. Just praise him. Go ahead and sing a song and let's just worship him. But saints, just praise him for hearing you, well, listening to your prayer. Before you and behind you 
and beside you, all around you, and within you. He is with you. He is with you in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming, and you're going, and you're braving and rejoicing. He is for you. 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 Sing amen. He is for you. the Lord does for seeking people he fills them he fills them he fills them with his spirit his power and those who seek him he fills them those of you up front here I want you to just lift your hands toward heaven and I want you to just say Lord fill me fill me with the Holy Ghost fill me fill me fill me fill me with the Holy Ghost set the Bible Go on and praise him. Go on, receive, believe, press through. Fill me, Lord. Fill me. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with power. Fill me, Lord. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Whenever there was an altar made there by Jacob with a stone, he poured oil on top of it to consecrate it. Symbolism of the Holy Spirit. God's presence. You can't have the presence of God without the Holy Spirit moving and moving and touching. And it's by His Spirit. God's giving you victory in your life. By His Spirit, God is working in your circumstances, in your situation. In the name of Jesus, receive the power of the Holy Ghost. Receive the anointing to go forth as God wants you to go forth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Set them up. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Can I brag on you for a moment? It's okay if I do that. <laughs>